You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. We're starting a new series today, and I love that we're starting it on Mother's Day because the series titles that you can see is Mama Knows Best. Right? Mama knows best. And a lot of moms, moms are like, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Kids better listen. Mama knows best. Um, so we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to focus on a few mothers in the Scripture. Now, there are some mothers in the Scripture that we shouldn't listen to. Right? <laughs> Just like there are some mothers in life. Uh, but we're going to focus on a few mothers from the Scripture that had a a tremendous, tremendous uh, impact and, 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 and a place in history that was transformational. So we're going to do that. If you're taking notes, you can take notes on our app as well. But I'm titling this message simply Hannah. It's the name of the mother we're talking about today. Hannah. All right? Here we go. Have you ever wondered how someone amazing that you admire, got to where they are. Maybe there's somebody that you know personally, or maybe someone whom you, you follow their life from afar. Somebody who maybe is popular or they're known for their craft. And you look at their lives and you look at where they are in life and you think, man, I wonder how they got there. I, 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 I need to learn from this person. Maybe, maybe you, you, you've researched and you're like, I got to find out what they've done because I want to I wanna develop some of these habits so I can, I can be like them. Maybe there's someone you admire that you wish to be like and, and you've done that. What happens to some of the times in those stories when you do find out is that because they've already achieved or reached that place uh, of excellence, the story gets fantastical, right? When you go back to the beginning of the story, there's always some kind of spark of glory attached to their story. The success, their personality, their achievement embodies that story. And you can't quite picture the beginning without the end because you already know the end. You already know where they are. I think of... Several people, I think like people like Kevin Hart, for example, the comedian, who's uh, somebody who's had a, a tremendous story of, of uh, accomplishment. He was, an, he was just a poor little boy in Philly. But when he tells the story of him making people laugh as a kid, of, of making jokes to his family, what we think now is, there it is, a star in the making. It was all written. There it is. It's, it's, it's part of his story already. But the truth is that nobody knew. All he was, was a below average boy, poor, in a neighborhood in Philly, who was making jokes and probably being a little bit annoying to his family. See, many times, greatness in its most original form, is 
unrecognizable because it hides. It hides behind misery and pain. And there are so many stories like that. So many people that have risen and have achieved who in the beginning you wouldn't be able to tell. You really wouldn't. And there's a story just like that in the scriptures. And I want to share that with you today. It wasn't a season when the people of God were not living in the best era. You know, there was some, wor- there was some worship, there was some devotion, but there was also corruption. And there was corruption in the temple, in God's temple. The high priest, who was the highest authority in the land, he was the man in charge. He was turning a blind eye to his sons who would take from the offering. They were, they were not only stealing, they were diminishing the offering of the people. People would bring their offering to God and the high priest's sons, who were also priests themselves, had such disregard for God's offering that they would take it for themselves, sometimes even before it was offered to God and way more than their allotted quota, than what was allotted to them. Sometimes they would take it by force. See, they hadn't learned the lesson. We have a lesson very early in the scriptures, very early in history from Cain and Abel on how God prizes his worship, how he prizes offering. They hadn't learned the lesson. So God decided to put an end to it. It's a very strong story. God told the high priest Eli, is his name, that his sons were going to die on the same day and that was going to be a sign that God was against them and God said that he was going to raise up a new priest and that he Eli was going to die for turning a blind eye to the sin of his sons and allowing the offering to be defrauded allowing worship to be defrauded I don't know if you know this but everything you do for God he prizes it He prizes it very much. Everything you do for God is precious in his eyes. And he protects his worship. He protects the worship that you give him. He protects his worship from corruption. In fact, the scripture tells us that God is a jealous God. He's jealous for your worship. He's jealous for your devotion. Now, I've been in church my whole life. And here's something I've never seen. I've never seen someone who disrespected and disregarded worship and the offering go unpunished. I've never seen that. I'm not talking about any person. I'm talking about leaders. I'm talking about pastors, leaders, priests who took liberties and took advantage of their position for financial gain. I've never seen, I'm telling you, I'm a third generation pastor. I've been exposed to a lot of stories, a lot of stories. I have never seen someone like that go unpunished. It always happens, sometimes very publicly, sometimes privately, but it's always very painful. Because God prizes the worship of his people and he keeps it pure. When you see pastors, religious leaders fall from grace, you know, and sometimes it's on the news, and it's a total train wreck, and for Christians who have been Christians a long time, it's embarrassing, because now 
you feel associated to it somehow. And what do you say? What do you do? It's so difficult sometimes to handle it, right? You have to know this. When devotion to God becomes just a job, and the offering of the people of God, whether it be money, whether it be their time, whether it be their talents, is no longer sacred in the eyes of the leader. He's already lost. That's, that's when things are lost. Whatever happens after that is just a byproduct. Whatever scandal comes on, whatever thing, it's a byproduct. It begins right here with disregard for the offering of the people of God. And we see that all throughout the scriptures. That's why I honor our team. See, everything we do here, if you're part of our team, you got to understand, like, everything you do is sacred to God. Like, we had people come in early today to put flags out there so you could know where we are. That's sacred to God. It's not just putting a pipe and drape and flags. And it's sacred to God. It's an offering to Him. He sees it as worship. You know, I had a dear friend, Liz, come in early, and, and she baked some special things yesterday for all the moms so that you could have a delicious little treat out there available for you. Maybe it's already gone, so because it was good. But that's worship to God. That's not just, you know, baking cookies and making coffee. That's serving the people of God, and God sees it as sacred. It's sacred. It's worship. Like our worship team, they come here, they set up, they play, they love music. These guys here on the media team, the, the teachers teaching your kids right now, wiping boogers off your kids. It's sacred. It's worship to God because we do it unto Him. We do it unto Him. Jesus said, every time you do something for one of these little ones, you have done it unto me. And when you do it unto God, it is sacred. It's sacred. And we don't disregard that. We see that as sacred. It's not just coffee. It's unto the Lord. Every dollar you give to God is holy. Jesus actually confirms that. That the altar sanctifies the offering. Everything you give in the offering is sanctified. Every minute you give to God is holy. Every talent you give to God is holy. And we prize that. What happens sometimes is that we, we get caught up in our humanity. And that's what happened to Eli. He got caught up in the humanity. And, and he, let, he let whatever his sons were doing pass. We can't mix the two. See, I've, I've, in this ministry life, I've heard some, some stories. And I've gotten to work and rub shoulders with people who are worshiping God and giving them their best. And, and, and they've done some, some things that are, I will raise your eyebrows. And sometimes what happens is you go like, someone like that? You're bringing things to God like that? yes. Because that's how you get changed. That's how you get sanctified. That's how you get transformed. See, we're all here in God's presence trying to be renewed and trying to let go of certain things that grasp our hearts. And you got to know today, there's nothing you might have done, nothing in your past that can hold you back from coming in God's presence, offering Him worship, offering Him your all, and Him seeing it, seeing it as special what you bring to god is special and he will not allow anyone to defraud the worship 
of his people. And that's exactly what happened. This is what God told Eli the priest. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 35, or 34 and 35. And this shall come upon you, to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be, the sign, uh, shall be the sign to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. Now that priest's name was Samuel. Samuel was the name of that person that God brought to replace Eli. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. JD, it's been over five minutes. Where's the mom? Show me the mom. It's Mother's Day. It says, Mama knows best over there. Where is the mom in the story? We're getting to it. I'm getting to it. You just, I just got to give you context. Because you need to know that the... the, the the environment that Samuel was brought in, the environment that he came into, and the kind of person that he was, Samuel changed everything. He was a man like no other in the scripture. He was unique in his ministry. He was unique in his gifting. He was unique in his character. He was a prophet, a priest, and a judge of the nation. He was basically the president, Congress, and Supreme Court altogether. But he was good. He was a good man. He was not a king because Israel didn't have a king. But he was the highest authority in the land. And he was good until the end. You know, sometimes we start well, we start good, and then things get off track. He was good all the way till the end. And Samuel was one of those exceptional people that you would want to know. You would, you would want to learn from. You would, you would admire and, and you would want to see, say, you would say, I want to be like him. He was honest. He was humble. He was powerful, but in the best way possible. And scripture says that none of his words fell to the ground. It's in 1 Samuel 3.19. It says that God didn't let any of his words fall to the ground. Could you imagine that? Have a kind of, have a kind of relationship with God. Have a, a kind, be so in tune with God that everything you say, God does. Everything you say, God honors. Everything you say is going to happen, happens. Not just because you said it, but because you're in tune with God and you know what God wants and you say it. And God says, yeah, that's exactly what I want. You know my mind. You know my heart. And, and, and you're my, my voice on earth. That was Samuel. And Samuel was the last judge to govern Israel. He was the priest who anointed the very first king of the nation of Israel. And in that process of transition, he gave a farewell address, just so you know how, how well he governed. And, and, and as the highest authority in the land, he made a statement in his farewell address. And he said this, uh, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 3. Here I am, testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose, uh, whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from, from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me and I will restore it to you. In other words, he was saying, I'm not like the other ones that you had before me. 
Have I taken anything from you? Have I done anything to you to oppress you? Have I done anything to you that was evil or bad? I will fix it right now. And here's what, here, here's what they answered. They said, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, the Lord is witness against you and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, he is witness. He did as good as anybody could do. She, he was the one. In fact, Samuel, you might not know this. Samuel was the one who anointed David as king. And today, the Israel flag that you see, the, the flag that flies, that, that represents the, the country of Israel, has the star of David. That same David that Israel anointed. That's the same person. Samuel had such an amazing, amazing life. How did it start? How did it all begin? See, it all started with a suffering woman desiring to be a mother. That's, it. That's how it started. Nobody knew what was going to come out of that. All there was was a suffering woman desiring to be a mother. And her name was Hannah. Hannah was married to Elkanah. Elkanah had two wives. Back in those days, it was, you know, they, they did that. And sometimes for property, sometimes to merge families. And so he had two wives. Her names were uh, Hannah and Panina. And the Bible says that Panina had children, but Hannah didn't. And the story goes that every year they would go down to sacrifice to God as part of their tradition. And as part of that tradition, Elkanah would give her ki his kids and his wives a portion of the offering. But to Hannah, he would give double portion because he loved her so much. She was his favorite. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 say this, And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So we went on year by year. Think about it. Year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to, uh, he, she used to provoke her. Penina used to provoke Hannah. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Have you ever been in that place when life is good? But something is missing? And you know you're meant to achieve that or get to that point. You miss it. You miss it like you lost it, even though you never had it. You miss it. And people ask you, how's life? And in the natural, everything is good. You're healthy. Your job is great. Your husband loves you. Your wife loves you. Family is great. You really can't complain. But, but there's something missing. And you feel bad. In fact, you don't just feel bad that you're not satisfied. You feel bad for feeling bad. Have you ever had that feeling like, I shouldn't be feeling bad right now, so you feel double bad? I'm feeling bad. I shouldn't feel bad. I'm feeling bad for feeling bad, and that's bad. Hannah was in a similar situation. She knew there was something missing. 
Now listen, we can all make a case that for those days it was so important for women to bear children and it was part of their you know, culture and all that. But I feel like this is bigger than that. When you read the story, it, it's as great a gift as motherhood is. This, this, this had to do with her purpose. This went beyond that. This had, this had to do with God's plan for her life. Hannah found no purpose in anything else. And you got to know this, that you can be on the prime of your life, have a loving spouse, have no need. But if you lack God's purpose, if you lack God's plan, you will not find fulfillment. Even if you worship. Even if you come to church. Even if you're doing your best to live for God, you will not find fulfillment because you haven't tapped into the purpose, the reason why He made you. And Hannah's enemy knew that. I mean, panina sounds like a delicious sandwich. I'm going to have a panina today with uh, some uh, sun-dried tomatoes. And... But don't let her name fool you. That woman was bitter. Let me tell you something. The enemy knows exactly how to steal the joy from you, even as you worship. Hannah was in the presence of the Lord. She was loved by her husband. She was not happy. She was sad. Have you ever been provoked by the enemy as you worshiped? Have you ever been provoked by the enemy even when you're trying to connect to God? You're in a season of life. You're trying to connect to God. You're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to have a prayer life. You're trying to worship. You're trying to do the right thing. And the enemy comes and says, uh, what, are, what are you doing that for? Have you not seen your problem? You know, that thing you're praying for is still there. You see, God hasn't answered what, what are you worshiping for? He's trying to switch your focus. He's trying to change your mind and make you think that God is there to just serve you. And not the other way around. So the enemy will say things like, have, have, you, have you not seen that all the love of those around you doesn't really do you any good because you still don't have that thing? Have you not seen that even coming here to God's presence can't get you away from your problem?" But you need to know something today. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And he lies. He lies when you pray. He lies when you worship. He lies when you hope. He lies when you cry. He lies when you are sad. And he lies when you are happy. He lies. He steals. He kills. And he destroys. The devil is a liar. And he tries to sow seeds in your mind, in your heart, against the will of God. But here's some lessons from Hannah. Your answer is in God's presence, always. Your answer is in God's presence. That's why I love that we were singing today, show us your glory, Lord. Because your answer is in his presence. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9 through 11 say this. And they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh. As they had, after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, I, but will give your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. 
That means he will be consecrated. That was one of the vows that they used to do in those days. <clears throat> you know what Hannah never let go of? She never let go to her devotion, of her devotion to God. She never let go of her devotion to the Lord. She, she always worshipped. She kept that part of her alive and connected. When we read the story, we can quickly get to the miracle. It's easy to quickly get to the miracle because it's just a page and a half in the story. But as we read, it was years. Years that she was coming to the temple and praying. Years that she was waiting. Before the miracle took place, the whole picture that we had is that Hannah was nothing but a woman who was weeping bitterly at church. That's it. She was at church weeping bitterly at the temple. See, we tell you this often here at Connect Community, and we tell you, and we mean it, like, we ought to come to God with our all. Every time you walk through these doors, every time you tune in online, every time you, you connect to God, you got to come to Him with your all. When you pray at your house, when you, when you pray in your car, in your, you come to God with your all, not just the good parts, with everything. If you need to weep, weep. If you need to cry, cry. If you need to scream, scream. You come to God with your all. It's a mistake to only come to God when things are good. But it's an even worse mistake to dismiss God because things are bad. So many people run away from God when things get tough. As if God owed us health, wealth, blessings, promotion. That's not what we deserve. God doesn't owe us anything, but He's a loving Father. He wants us to be connected to Him. And here's what He desires. Worship. He desires us to be with Him and to connect to Him. You got to remember this. Your worship is sacred. It's sacred to God. And it was in that moment when Hannah was at her lowest point that the high priest, who you remember, he was tolerating corruption from his sons, came and saw her weeping. And I think that the high priest hadn't been, this is just my judgment, okay, as I read the scriptures. I feel like he hadn't been in God's presence like Hannah was in a while because he couldn't even recognize it. He hadn't weeped in God's presence. He hadn't been with the Lord. Because he looked at her and he thought, she's drunk. She's drunk out of her mind. She came to the door of the temple to let her drunkenness. Like she's, she's lost. So, she, so he rebuked her. Verse 14 says, And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put away your wine. Put, put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord. I'm a, woman in, I'm, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. And here we see the beginning of the miracle, the beginning of the change, the foundation of Samuel's greatness, the beginning of all the change that were to happen, that was to happen in Israel. See, Hannah was Samuel's role model. Of devotion to God. She was the one who taught him how to come to God's presence. She was the one who brought him up. When things got tough, 
when things were impossible, when things were too much to handle. Hannah didn't complain. She didn't run away. She went to God and she poured her soul before the Lord. She poured her soul before God. I wonder how many of God's plans have gone unfulfilled. How many of God's plans have not come to pass because someone has not gotten to the point of pouring their soul before the Lord. How many people are still living frustrated? And how many people die in their sadness? Because they haven't gotten to the point of coming to God's presence and pouring their souls before the Lord. And saying, God, you have my all. You have my all. You have my heart. You have my wall. I want you to know that your worship is sacred. And whatever God has placed in your heart, His desire for you is for good. Maybe He put a seed in your heart to accomplish something. You got a Samuel in you. You know that? You got a Samuel in you. And God wants to make that dream, that whatever that is, come to pass. And some of you, you know, God has put that seed of purpose in your heart. And like Hannah, you will not be satisfied until you give birth to your Samuel. Your Samuel might not be a baby. Your Samuel might be something that God wants to do through you. That will cause you to flourish, change your world, and, and, and cause His purpose to come alive in you. So how do you get there? How do you get to that point? Well, this mama knows best. Because what we learned from Hannah is that we got to do like her. We got to pour our souls before the Lord. See, in that moment, the priest, that, that she was pouring her soul before the Lord, the priest told her, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant your petition. And that was the moment when Hannah knew, God has answered my prayers. So she... God, she left that place, Scripture says, that she ate. And her face was no longer sad. Let me ask you this. How, how long has it been since that has happened to you, if ever? That you came to God with that desire, and you got into His presence, and things changed. The sadness lifted because you poured your soul before the Lord. It doesn't have to be in a service like this. It's great if it is in a service like this. But in your own life, in your own time with God, there was no, there was no, there was no ceremony. She got up from dinner, which she didn't eat, and she went to the temple to pray by herself. Only she knew how how heavy things were in her heart. And I got to tell you, if you if you're carrying something today, or maybe maybe it's not something heavy, but it's something that's that's you feel like your life is uncompleted. Like there's something missing. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you today to pour your souls before the Lord and come to Him and worship Him and come to His presence. I'm not talking about begging God, saying, God, please just give me that and I won't bother you anymore. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Coming to God and saying, Lord, my soul is yours no matter what. Whether I achieve it or not, 
my soul is yours. Whether this happens or not, I'm yours. But I am here because I want to live for you. And that thing, that thing that I desire, Lord, it's yours. I'll give it to you. It's all yours. The moment Samuel was born, it's, it's, he's yours. This son, this baby, this project, this plan, this dream, it's all yours. From the moment it comes to pass, I'll give it to you. It's all yours. See, sometimes we, we fear giving God our all because we feel like we're going we're gonna to left with nothing. We're going to be left with nothing. We're going to lack. So we hold on because we fear to let go. See, we, we, we shouldn't do that. We should trust the Lord and freely give him our all and say, Lord, my life is yours. Take it. Did you know that Hannah had five more kids? She had three more sons and two daughters. Her life was full. She brought Samuel to the presence of God. She continued to raise him. She continued to be her mom and see him. And she, Scripture says that every year when she would come to worship, she would bring a new ephod, like a, a proper attire for priests that she would make for her boy. But God, God blessed her with five more kids. See, when you pour your soul before the Lord without fear, He knows what you need. He knows how to, how to fulfill you and how to get you to the place that you should be. Don't hold back. And may I dare to say this. Don't try to do it without God. Because He put the dream in your heart. For a reason. See, Hannah had to get to that point. Because it wasn't just about her. And that's something that we need to learn too. In fact, I feel like it had the least to do with her. She had to get to that point. Because God was doing something through her. And her devotion, her connection to God was the instrument, the very fact that she was pouring her soul before the Lord was the thing that God was going to use to change not just her life, not just to answer her prayers, but to change the whole nation forever. And I believe that's what God wants to do through you as you come to his presence to pour your soul before the Lord. Let me tell you, if you do that, if you say like Hannah, people are going to ask you, how did you get here? You're going to get to that day where those around you will say, man, how did this happen? How did your dream come to pass? Tell me again how. And you will have no other answer than to point to God and say, it was the Lord. Let me tell you about the time when I poured my soul before the Lord and he changed everything. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. We're going to have.